please turn in your Bible to Mark chapter 4. And for those of you who like hearing larger portions of scriptures read, uh, today we will be reading verses 1 through 20. 20 verses. Mark chapter 4, as we consider today the parable of the soils, the parable of the sower, uh, the parable of the seed. There's many names which this parable has been given. Pay attention now as I read God's word to us. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone... Those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables, and he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on the rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it, and bear fruit, thirtyfold, and sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. Thus ends the reading of God's word. Let us pray. <clears throat> Our Father in heaven, we thank you for blessing us with the scriptures, and thank you for, uh, thank you for working in us as we hear the scriptures read as we read it for ourselves, as we hear it preached. Lord, we pray that you would cause a harvest to occur, that the seed would be planted in our hearts and that our hearts might be the good soil upon which much 
fruit bears forth. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today it's a question of the heart. And so I want to ask you the question, how is your heart? I'm not sure if you've been asked that question recently, unless maybe you've had a heart problem as far as, you know, physical. But uh, I don't even know if you have ever been asked that question. Have you asked yourself that question? How is my heart? Because this is one of the most important questions you have to ask yourself. And it is the very question that the text challenges us all with today. How is your heart? What is the condition of your heart? Because I'm going to tell you right now, and it might be very hard for you to hear, and that is the, your reception of the gospel, your reception of God's word is determined by the condition of your heart. As we come to chapter 4, we come to a section of at least four parables. And the first of these is the parable of the soils. You see, Jesus is the new man on the block up until now. We know that people have been coming from all over the place for different reasons and with different motives. Many have come to Jesus to be healed of their infirmities or delivered from demons. Others have come to hear the one who was teaching with authority. Yet others, the Pharisees and the other scribes and some others that were on their side, have come to ensnare, to convict Jesus of desecrating the Sabbath day, of mingling with the untouchables, even of blasphemy. And the Jewish religious establishment has had enough and want Jesus caught and convicted and condemned. And still others heard Jesus call to follow him and fishermen, tax collectors and sinners Societal outcasts stop what they are doing and they immediately follow Jesus. And there were those alongside Jesus and his apostles who still came to Jesus with genuine faith, repenting of their sins and believing in Jesus for salvation, and they follow Jesus closely. So you see, there are two groups that have been forming. There are those that are inside Jesus' camp, in his family, his real, true, spiritual family, those who are genuine believers, genuine Christ followers, and then there are those who are outside Jesus' camp who are not his true family members. You see, if you're not for Jesus, uh, you are against Jesus. If you are not receiving, welcoming the kingdom of God, then you are rejecting it. That's how it works in God's order of things. And there's nothing new today. Let's say a straightforward, easy to hear and understand, evangelical, dare I say, powerful sermon is preached from the pulpit. And some of the hearers think to themselves, well, this is the same old boring story. I have heard it over and over again. I cannot wait for it to be over so that I can get home and watch the game or do whatever I want to do, while others' ears are open or fully engaged and are drawn closer to Christ. 
even some on that very day are maybe even brought into a saving relationship with Jesus. These two groups of people have just heard the same word preached from the same Bible, and yet they have two very different responses. How can it be? Is it a problem with the preacher or the word or the heart? Well, let me tell you, I think it's the heart. Let me suggest this morning that this is how the word of Christ works. This is what Jesus explains for us in these 20 verses. And he wants your heart and my heart to be the good, soft soil. So all these people come to Jesus with different motives. And Jesus is telling stories. Jesus again began to teach by the sea. And as before, uh, Jesus got on a boat and sat in it on the sea. Jesus is again on a floating pulpit. And he teaches them many things by parables. As the iconic Sunday school definition puts it, he is speaking in earthly stories with heavenly meanings. As a preacher once said, they are stories that stick with us long after they are told. And there's something mysterious about how the word works. Not everybody there can understand what Jesus is saying, even though the language is very clear. There's a sower and he sows seeds indiscriminately all over the place. Some falls by the wayside on the path and the birds come and eat it up. Some of the seed falls on the rocky ground and it springs up right away because it is too shallow on that hot Middle Eastern, on that hot Middle Eastern, uh, when that hot Middle Eastern sun comes up and burns up that little, the little plants as they shrivel up and die. Some falls along uh, among the thorns, but they choke the life out of it. And some falls on the good soil and it bears a great harvest. And you would say, I guess everybody could understand that. After all, the listeners almost certainly would have seen a farmer sowing seed. Even many of the people down at the shores of Galilee might have even done it themselves. Yet not everybody will understand. Because only those who have ears to hear will understand. Only those who, in a very true sense, will listen. As Jesus commands in verse 3, the message of Jesus, the word of God, can and is only understood by those whom it is given to understand. What did all these people, the men, the women, the boys, the girls, come to hear? What is it that they actually hear? I know after church, when we get home, I sometimes ask my kids, well, what was the sermon about or what did you learn today? What was Jesus' sermon at Galilee about? Jesus talked about the kingdom of God. He talked about his kingdom. From the very beginning, Jesus was and is all about kingdom of God business. And it was nothing new to hear about the kingdom of God. Many of the people had read about it in the Old Testament. And those in the religious establishment of the day, the Pharisees, the ones who thought that they knew the scripture, thought that the kingdom coming meant a military overtaking of the Roman Empire. But they were wrong. 
Instead, the kingdom came in the form of a man, a humble servant, and it came in the form of a word in the gospel. But God in his sovereignty reveals the truth to those whom he wishes to reveal it to. The text says, and when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables, and he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables. Jesus had handpicked the twelve, but other followers, plus other followers, to surround him. Throughout the Bible, there are two groups of people. There are those who are on the inside, and there are those who are on the outside, observing from a distance. There are two groups of people whom the word of God falls upon. There are those to whom the hidden secret of the kingdom of God has been given, and those on the outside. Both groups hear the same gospel message, but they do not both receive it. There are those whom it produces change and growth, and those whom it produces hardness of heart and God's judgment. So that the quotation of Isaiah in Mark 4.12 plays out, doesn't it? It says, they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand lest they should turn and be forgiven just as isaiah was forewarned when he has called and appointed when he was when isaiah was called and appointed prophet to god's people that most of the people will not heed his message so too jesus explains to this select group of disciples gathered around him that is how it works in God's sovereign way of doing things. Look at the pillar of fire, for example, in Exodus. What was its function? Well, it led God's people. It guided them through the darkness by night, and so it kept them safe, and it gave them light. But what did the pillar of fire do for the enemies of God's people? It kept God's people safe from them and brought nothing but darkness to them. So you invite two co-workers to church. One of them looks like she is very attentive and tracking everything the pastor says. The other does not appear to be listening. Yet, you ask them after the service what they got out of it. And the one who was attentive was actually looking for ways to criticize and condemn. While the other actually hears the sermon and it gives her new life. You're totally surprised. And our Lord Jesus, in explaining the parable, gives us an example, an illustration of how God's word works. When the word, when the message of the gospel of the kingdom of God is preached like a farmer sowing his seed, it will provide light to those who come to Jesus. But if you continue to keep your ears closed and you do not come to him in faith, his word will remain dark to you leading to more hardness of heart, leading to more unbelief. Now, why did Mark include this parable first in this chapter? And why did he also include that lengthy description and explanation of this parable here? Well, it is important for us to understand uh, the other. It is important for us to get this parable to understand the other parables that Jesus spoke. Actually, it is important for us to understand Jesus' entire preaching ministry 
that we have recorded for us in the Bible. That is why he said to his disciples and to, and to those who accompanied him, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? And we see in Jesus' explanation of this parable the function of God's word. Well, first, the sower sows the word. The sower is Jesus himself, and he sows the seed, which is the word. It is the word of the gospel. It is the word about himself. And he sows it on all types of soil. He does not just pick certain places to sow it or look for special types of soil to sow it on. No, the sower scatters this good news about Jesus everywhere, all over the place, knowing and recognizing that it will land on different types of ground. The gospel is for everybody, everywhere. There are many types of hearers, and it will land on the ears of all kinds of people. And we look at the example of our Lord here. We see that we are given the task of sowing seeds. It is not up to us to try to guess who will receive it willingly and who will not. It is the good news of salvation for everyone who would believe the gospel. It is the good news of salvation for everyone who will believe in Jesus. And the message we spread is the simple gospel. It is, it is uh, the message of salvation for sinners, for those who repent and believe in the gospel. And it is the same message for everyone. You might be tempted to, uh, to want to change the message in order to make it more appealable. Or you might want to change the message according to the situation that Mr. Smith finds himself in to make him want it. But you cannot do that. Jesus does not change and neither does his gospel. And the soil refers to the condition of people's hearts. That's why I asked you all that question to begin with. And so Jesus mentions four different types of soil in our parable. The first is that hard-packed wayside or footpath. I have been to some places in Taiwan and China and Cambodia and the Midwestern United States even where farming happens. If my memory, memory serves me correct, between each of the patches of fertilized soil is a narrow path where the farmer walks up and down to avoid stepping on the crop. And day after day, that is where he walks to sow the seed, to water it, to check on it. And so it keeps getting more and more compacted. It's kind of like some of the hiking trails in the mountains. To the left and to the right are trees and bushes and rocks. And maybe hundreds of people take that same trail every day. It's almost like a brick. That is the condition of the heart of the first kind of people. In the Gospels, Jesus himself spoke of the hard hearts of the people. And I cannot help but think back to Pharaoh's hard heart in Exodus. His heart was hard, and so he would not let the people go, and it took ten plagues brought on by God himself. And the birds, you know, birds love to eat seeds. The birds come down and eat it all up. The birds represent Satan coming and taking the word immediately. 
Guess what? If you don't already know, the devil does not like it when you come to church and hear God's word preached. He hates it when you open up your Bible and he will throw all sorts of distractions your way to keep you from paying attention. He does not want it to bear fruit in your life, but there are those who you might know who are just hardened to God's word. They really don't want anything to do with the gospel. Maybe they just come with you to church to appease your nagging, but they have a rock-hard heart. It's close to the good news. So that's the first kind of soil. The second is the stony ground. All the rocks have gathered up there, and so there is not much soil to work with, no place for the roots to grow. And the hot sun comes and just burns it. It speaks of those who hear the gospel with gladness of heart. Maybe it's your friend that finally went to church with you. The preacher was on fire, extending the emotional plea to give your heart to the Lord. And yes, it is appropriate for a reformed pastor to plea or to command, even from God's word. Of course, it is based on the sovereign grace and the initiative of God and not man. And he does. But his zeal and enthusiasm, the zeal and enthusiasm of that ear, only lasts for a little while. And when he gets challenged for the sake of Jesus, he can't stand firm any longer. This speaks of a superficial heart. And Jesus promises tribulation and persecution will come to those who desire to follow him. The road to the promised land is going to be hard. You all will face opposition for your faith, but Jesus promises that you can and will stand firm. He says in John, in this world, there will be tribulation, but I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome. Ask the Holy Spirit to guard your heart when trials and difficulties come because you are a Christian. And when you fall or stumble, guess what? He is going to lift you up again. It is so easy to want to just give up when it gets hard. Lean on the everlasting arms of Christ our Lord. Well, the third kind of soil is the thorny soil. Thorns are like weeds. They come and take away all the nutrients needed for the seed to grow. And our text says that they strangle the seed so that it, it, it yields no crop. In Jesus' explanation, he says that three things choke up the word and it becomes unfruitful. Uh, there are the cares of the world. We all live in a fallen world, and there are many things that battle for our hearts. We have families that we have to take care of. We have jobs that we have to do. We have so many responsibilities to handle, and it is so easy to let these things just get in the way. You're probably sitting here and listening right now, and in the back of your mind, you're thinking about the project that is due next week, or the exam or the relative who needs your special care. Jesus gave us a remedy for that, didn't he? Do not worry about tomorrow, he says in Matthew 6. Jesus knows what you need, and he cares for you. Brothers and sisters, I appeal to you to cast all of your cares on Jesus. He also talks about the deceitfulness of riches. 
I only had more, if I only had just a little bit more, isn't that how we think? I mean, with a little bit more money, life would be just a little better, wouldn't it? And then we look at others and then we compare our lives with others and we think they're all set. They have nothing to worry about. You know, this is deceit. Satan who takes away the word which is sown along the wayside is the same one who sows deceit and lies. He wants us to go around singing the song, never enough, never, never. But Jesus reminds us again, doesn't he? You can't love God and mammon. You can't serve God and mammon. You can't have two masters. And that leads to the third thing, the desires for other things. It's easy to sing never enough, never content with what the Lord has already given you, isn't it? I mean, someone is always going to have more things than you, a better job than you, a better house than you, even more well-behaved children than you. You might just want to let those desires be come in and get a stranglehold on you. But you'd do well to heed the words of Paul to follow Paul's example. And what does Paul say in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13? He says, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You who are repenting and believing the gospel, you who have ears to hear the gospel, you are united to Jesus Christ. You have your fullness in Jesus Christ. He is all you want and all you ever needed. He is your all in all. And so when the word is preached, don't give in to distraction. Even distraction brought about by lust for these things. Well, the first three types of soil represent the first group of people. They are the outsiders. Because though the word is sowed, there is no harvest. And if you notice, this is a majority, three quarters of the people here. The final one quarter are represented by those who have soft and receptive hearts, those whom the God has given ears to hear and hearts to receive the gospel. And that is the fourth soil spoken of in this parable. It is the good soil. It is the fertile soil. It is the soil of the cultivated heart. It is the soil of the receptive heart. Jesus says that those are the people who hear the word. Those are the people who listen attentively and behold the truth. And they accept the gospel. They receive the gospel. The original gives it the sense of welcoming the gospel as a guest. It is a heart which welcomes the word of the Lord, the greatest guest of honor. They stop what they're doing and they come to full attention at its sweet sound. They stop what they are thinking and dwell and meditate on the voice of Jesus. And what happens? Fruit is bared. Fruit for the kingdom of God, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100-fold. Well, how do you know what side of the fence a person is on? How do you know the condition of one's heart? Well, 
ultimately only God looks at the heart and only God knows fully and clearly, but we can only see the fruit of that changed heart. Brothers and sisters, this parable should encourage each one of you. It should rekindle the joy in your hearts because it is about the gospel. Yes, I said it again. I think every sermon in Mark is that it's about the gospel. God has handpicked you. God has chosen you to be in his inner circle. You are united to the vine, Jesus Christ, and God is your vine dresser. And because of that, you will bear much fruit, you who are in Christ. Verse 20 says that all who have a heart cultivated by the Holy Spirit and receive God's word are going to bear fruit. But there are some that only bear 30-fold, while there are others that bear 60-fold, yet others even more. Well, I want to say to you that all of us are in a process of growth and will continue until Christ comes or until he calls us home. Are you willing to be patient with the other Christian who is a little less mature than you? Be patient with him. Encourage him. Teach and admonish him. You know, he is one of the branches too, which is connected to the brine, to the vine. And lastly, the parable started off with the sower who sows the seed of the world, word. And it speaks of Jesus preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And as his disciples, we have a responsibility too. And that responsibility is also to share the good news with others. Don't worry about what kind of soil the seed is going to land on. Keep looking to Jesus and pray that he would be pleased to produce a harvest just as he said he would. And on the last day, all whom he has chosen, all are united to him, are going to be presented to God, and he will say, well done. Think about that. Think about the glorious truth. And I will end by asking that same question. How is your heart? What is the condition of your heart? Probably a majority of you here today are trusting in Jesus for salvation, but there are those who don't know him yet, who are rejecting the gospel. How is your heart? Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that your word as you promised, is being sowed on the hearts of people. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to have receptive soil so that the seed which is sown will indeed grow and produce a harvest. Lord, we pray that you would also help us to be um, sowers of your word. Some of us are not outgoing, and that's okay. Some of us are not um, gifted in a sense, and that's okay, but whatever measure you have given to us, help us to use that measure in sharing the good news with others. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.